0: Hey, everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. What's up, Janesville? I missed y'all, man. I'm happy to be back with you guys, even if it's online. Air hug. Good to see you. Hey, got a question for you guys today. And the question is, what's good? For all of my teens and young people watching, uh, is pizza good? Yeah, I'm talking about with extra cheese, shakaroni uh, style with extra uh, pepperoni and sausage and bacon. I mean, is pizza good? What about McDonald's? Is McDonald's good? You know, double quarter pounder with cheese, super sized fry and an apple pie. Yeah, I'm doing something to myself right now. How about cookies? Are fresh-baked chocolate chip cookies just gooey, fresh out of the oven like mama make chocolate chip all on your cheek with some ice-cold milk? Is that good? I know I'm messing you up right now. Let's shift gears. What about, is Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, is he good? Is Lakers basketball player LeBron James good? And let's not forget Pastor Kellen's personal favorite. Is former Chicago Bulls Hall of Famer Michael Jordan good? Please be careful how you answer that question. Killing may ask you to leave the church. Just saying. Now, now everybody, here's a real question. How do you know McDonald's or pizza or chocolate chip cookies are good? And I hear what you're saying right now. Well, well Pastor Ray is good because it tastes good. It, 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 it feels good going down my belly. But have you ever heard that saying, everybody? What looks good and tastes good It necessarily good for you? I mean how do you gauge if Pat Mahomes or LeBron or Jordan are good? I mean what do we base that upon? What they do athletically? How they act when the camera is on them? What about when they're not on TV? I mean how do we really know? My point is everybody uh, what we as people typically determine what's good and what isn't, is kind of skewed. I mean, in other words, what's our standard of measurement to determine what's good? Is it how a person looks, how tall they are, how short they are, if they're black, white, Asian, Hispanic, if they're muscular or not, if they're thin or they're out of shape, or maybe it's what they wear. You know, whether they're rocking the latest styles or they shop at retail stores. Or maybe it's how much money they have, whether they're making a six-figure income, living good, business thriving. Or they're just barely making ends meet, robbing Peter to pay Paul and are literally one emergency away from falling apart. You see, everybody, I think we got to be very careful about how we gauge and what we measure and what measure we use to gauge exactly what's good. That's why I believe James writes this warning, say warning, in chapter 1, verse 16 of his book, when he says, hey, you see where he says, hey, see it? Don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Now, everybody, I don't know about you, but to me, when I read that, that sounds like that's coming from personal experience, don't you think? I mean, what do we know about James? Well, we know that James was the blood brother of... Of Jesus, And we also know that James grew up with Jesus and he eventually watched Jesus transition from being one of the uh, carpenter's son running their dad's carpentry company into going into full-time ministry sharing the kingdom of God with any and everybody he could. But you know what else we know about James? We know that James was a Jewish boy. And if he was a Jewish boy that would mean that he would have been taught, raised, and influenced by the predominant sect of the day, the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, everybody, uh, were the religious leaders of the Jewish people. And so they literally taught the people what to believe, how to believe, and why to believe what they believe about God and his kingdom. And much of their teaching revolved around looking the part and acting the part in front of people. See, for them, it was more about impressing people on the outside versus having a radical heart transformation on the inside. For the Pharisees, it was about if you look good and impressive on the outside and you follow the rules of the Ten Commandments and you keep the religious rituals. Guess what? You good. You gonna make it. And everybody, I think James bought the T-shirt. I think he was drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah, I think he bought into this message of what he'd been taught. And so when Jesus rose up refuting everything that the Pharisees was teaching, I believe James was deeply offended, not only because Jesus was debunking men who James probably had grown up to respect and revere. Jesus was also tearing down everything that James had come to believe. I mean, literally everything that James had built his life upon that he embraced as truth. And then to go to the extent to say, Jesus claiming to be God, Jesus forgiving sins, Jesus teaching in the place of honor. I mean, with no formal biblical training. I mean, how do you go from running a carpenter shop to now running a mega church with disciples and followers running around in the whole nine? Yeah, James was deeply offended. And I don't believe everybody it was until he personally witnessed Jesus crucified on the Friday and raised back to life again on the Sunday that it all clicked for him. That, oh, my goodness, Jesus wasn't a fool. I was. Jesus wasn't the one who was lost. I was lost. He is exactly who he said he is. He is Savior. He is Lord. He is King. And I've been misled. And so everybody, James is passionate with this message for you and I today. When he says to us, hey, you see it now, don't you? You see it. Don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Look at verse 17. He says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father. In other words, everybody, please don't let this world mislead you or deceive you into thinking that their definition Of what's good is how you look, or what you have, or how you dress, or what you do. Because none of that stuff deals with the essential truth that we must all embrace. And that is, we are all of us born sinners. And we are all of us in need of a Savior. So he says, so don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from our Father From God our Father. Somebody say good. Everybody, that word good is the agathos. That that word good is the agathos in in the Greek. That literally means to benefit uh, or to do something well. To benefit or literally to do something well. Everybody, Jesus has a very interesting conversation about this idea of what's good with another person in Scripture. Now in the Bible, we don't know his actual name, but he's famously referred to. As a rich young ruler. In Mark chapter 10, verse 17 to 22, uh, Jesus in verse 17 says, as he was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, everybody, and asked, good teacher. Somebody say, good. Yeah. What must I do to inherit eternal life? I love what Jesus says to him. He says, boy, why are you calling me good? You see it? You see it? You see it? In other words, Jesus is asking this guy, uh, are you calling me good? Remember what that good, the agathos, right? That good literally means um, to benefit. That word good literally means uh, to do something well. Jesus is basically asking this guy, you calling me good because of what I do well? Because I teach well? Because I preach well? Does, Does that make me good? Are you calling me good because of the benefits of following me? Because you've seen me heal people, I'm good. Because you've seen me feed 5,000 men with two fish and five loaves of bread, does that make me good? Son, what measure are you using to gauge my goodness, young man? Is it because of the deeds that I perform and the results that they bring on the outside? Or is it because of the virtue that you see within me on the inside? And then I love this, everybody. He jabs the young man with this. He says, only God is truly good. In other words, I love that jab. Bow! It was real quick. But I want to break it down for a minute. He's, he's basically saying to the Christian ruler, goodness, son, is not about who you are or how you look or what you have on the outside. Goodness is all about who you have on the inside. Son, do you have God? living on the inside, showing up in you and through you on the outside. Y'all like that jab that Jesus gave him? And so then Jesus goes on to answer his question by saying, but to answer your question in verse 19, he says, you must know the commandments. Uh, In other words, let, let me repeat that. He says, you know the commandments. I love how he said that. He says, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. Don't. Te- uh, testify falsely. In other words, don't lie. Uh, don't cheat anybody. Honor your father and mother. And so this rich young ruler gets excited. He's like, teacher, I- I've obeyed all these commandments since I-, since I was young. He got excited thinking that he had all his bases covered, everybody. He's like, man, I've done all those things, so that must mean I'm good. I must be good, right? And really, everybody, the unfortunate part about this story is that the rich young ruler was asking the wrong question. You notice back in Mark chapter 10, verse 17, his question to Jesus was basically, yo, Jesus, what I got to do to inherit eternal life? Now, the fact that he used this language, say inherit, yeah, the fact that he used this language tells me a lot about this young man. First, we know that the man was rich and that he was young, which means he more than likely was born in the money which would make sense why he would use a term with Jesus like inherit. Because everything he had, he probably had it passed down to him by his family. But secondly, notice Jesus makes a peculiar statement. He says to him, you know the commandments. Now, that's a peculiar statement to me because everybody, how could Jesus at first glance know that this young man knew the commandments? I mean, he just met the guy. I believe this is because of what the young man valued the most was evident by what he displayed on the outside. You see that? More than likely, everybody, this young man was a young Pharisee. And if he was a young Pharisee, that means he was walking around with his long, perfectly stained robes and his freshly manicured and pedicured hands and feet. And He had scriptures hanging from his garments. Because, you know, back in that day, when the Pharisees would walk around with their robes on, they literally had pieces of scripture kind of sewed into their cloth to make them look more holier than thou. And he had this wonderful bling-bling neck piece swinging from his neck. And so the rich young ruler was like, this, this life is it right here. I mean, how do I inherit the ability to live forever? Because I want to live just like I'm living now forever. Are you seeing this? And everybody, he was so blinded by looking the part and his lavish lifestyle that he failed to see that the real gift his soul was in need of, the real gift that he was searching for, was staring him right in the face. See, instead of asking Jesus, Yo, bruh, how can I live the way I'm living forever? Instead of asking that question, the real question he should have been asking Jesus was, Jesus, how can I make sure that I get to live with you forever? And I love this part in verse 21. Y'all, isn't it great to know that we serve a God that doesn't leave us misled and jacked up in the same state that we were in? But he loved us right in the middle of where we're missing it. Verse 21 says, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Thank you, Jesus, for your genuine love. Listen to what he says to him. He says, there's still one thing you haven't done. He says, go and sell all your possessions and give that money to the poor and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And the Bible says in verse 22, at this, the man's face busted and he went away sad because he had many possessions. James reminds us in verse 16, he says, don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect It's a gift coming down from God, our Father. Then he says he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all his creation, became his prized possession. Now, I'm curious for a minute, everybody. What is James talking about when he talks about that gift? And what is James talking about when he talks about uh, this true word? Well, I'm I'm closing with this. Uh, John chapter one, verse one says it like this, says, uh, in the beginning, the word already existed. And then it says that the word was with God and the word was God. Now, Now, I think that's curious. So in the beginning, the word was already there. It was with God and it was God. What, what is this word? Okay, let's keep reading. Verse 2. He existed in the beginning with God. Wait a minute. We're talking about the word. How does the word now get a personal preposition attached to an abstract object? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a, it is an iPad. It is a Bible. We don't typically call a microphone a he, right? Unless we're kind of weird, like, creative arts. They probably have names for all of their appliances and stuff, all that kind of stuff. (laughs) I I digress. Uh, uh, Look at it. Let's keep reading. This is curious. Watch this. Verse three. It says, God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. I thought we were talking about the word. Now he's talking about this person of the word. Well, let's jump down to verse 14. I think it opens it up for us. Verse 14 says, So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Oh, my God, who is the Word and who is the gift? Everybody, I think we just figured it out. Everybody say it with me. One, two, three, Jesus. What's good, everybody? Jesus is good. What's perfect? Jesus is perfect. He is the good and perfect gift that has come down to us from God the Father. And everybody, more than ever before, let us not be misled by the lures of this world. Now, it's not wrong to want And to have nice things. I'm going to say it again. It's not wrong to want and to have nice things. God created those things for us to enjoy. My point is, let us not get so focused on chasing after what's nice that we miss what's real and what's good. The real gift is the gift that was sent down to this world from God in the person of Jesus. And as we get ready to transition, I want us to partake of Jesus right now. If you will grab your communion elements, the greatest gift that we have everybody is Jesus. And Jesus gave us the greatest gift uh, when he died on the cross for you and for me, sacrificing himself that we would have an opportunity to spend eternity with him. And I hope, uh, unlike the rich young ruler, that our thought process as we live this life is, Jesus, what do I got to do to spend eternity living with you? He uh, went to the cross and allowed his body to be broken for us you take your solid right now whatever that may be and take and eat and remember into the broken body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ I want to ask you to grab your cup right now and as you're meditating on the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior the gift of life that he presents to us if we trust what he did for us on the cross know that this cup whatever that is that you're holding it in your hand. It represents the blood of Jesus. The Bible says that without any shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Thank you, Lord, for your blood that covers our sin. Let's drink together. I wanna to pray um, for us that we would continue to embrace what it looks like to chase after what's true, what's good, and what's real. Amen? Father, we know that you are the real gift. And God, with everything else that's going on around us, I pray that we will continue to chase after you. I pray that we will continue to keep our eyes fixed on you. God, I pray that we not be misled by what the world is pulling us to run after that our hearts would always desire to run hard after you. You are the gift that continues to give. You are the one that ought to be first place in our hearts and our minds and our lives. I pray that we would always remember that and reciprocate your love to you and one to another. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you, Janesville miss you, love you, praying for you. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.